Well, today we're concluding our series on the treasure principle, the principle that Jesus Christ taught in Scripture. A supplement to our series has been this book, The Treasure Principle by Randy Elkhorn. He does a wonderful job of unpacking this principle. How many of you own this book? Raise your hand. There's one if you don't. Okay. Uh, how many of you, you have read through it this past week? All right. Thank you, dearest. Appreciate that. Uh, well, I tell you what, uh, I would encourage you to read this book if you have not. It's a short book, six chapters. Take a chapter a day this week and, uh, again, discover more about what we've been talking about. And we're going to review just the highlights of the book here. First of all, we see the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And that's found in this core passage where Jesus Christ teaches this principle. We look at Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The question we have asked is, where are we investing our treasure, our financial resources primarily, but as well as our time, our energy, and our thoughts? Where are we investing it? Are we investing it in our own kingdom, those things that bring pleasure to ourselves, our own agenda? Or are we investing it in God's kingdom, His eternal kingdom? Of course, Jesus Christ says, if you just invest it in yourself, by the end of your life, it will be gone. But if you invest it in God's kingdom, it's going to last for an eternity. Let's look at some of the keys to the treasure principle that Alcorn lays out. The first key is God owns everything. I'm his money manager. God owns everything. That's a fundamental truth that we all need to understand. We're just managing for him. So every spending decision... Is a spiritual decision. Whether you're picking up pizza at Domino's or your clothes at the dry cleaners or sporting goods at Dick's, those are all spiritual decisions that you're making on behalf of God. We talked about that the first week, and we also talked about the second key. My heart always goes where I put my money. Your treasure follows your heart. Whatever's important to you, your money is going to flow that way. And we took our monthly memory verse out of that. We see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, let's say it together. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's say it again, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Raise your hand if you've memorized that verse this past month. Excellent, way to go. God bless you and encourage you to continue to memorize these verses along with us. But all you have to do is Watch where your money is flowing. And if your money is flowing toward God, you know that you're spiritually healthy. If it's flowing toward His kingdom work here at Springbrook, if it's flowing toward the Tri-County Pregnancy Center, another kingdom work, if it's flowing toward the needy, another passion that God has is to provide uh, for the needy. Your heart needs to be in the right place. The next week, we move on to our third key heaven not earth is my home heaven on earth or heaven not earth that is is my home when a person becomes a christ follower 
they are within Jesus Christ. They're placed in Jesus Christ in the throne room of heaven next to the Father. They no longer are a citizen of this earth. They're a citizen of heaven. And that's how we need to live our life out day by day with an eternal perspective. We see that in the next key. I should live not for the dot, but for the line. Remember we had the yellow ball and the long rope, and the yellow ball represented the short time we had here on earth, and the rope represented eternity. And the mistake we make is that we put all our energy and time into this life, thinking this is it, and eternity, yeah, that's going to happen. I'll worry about that later. But no, we're citizens of heaven, so therefore every day we need to be asking the question, Am I doing things that are going to have an eternal impact? Am I, again, sending it ahead? Am I making my investment in eternity? And last week, we looked at key five. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Materialism is worshiping stuff, looking for your satisfaction in stuff, finding your pleasure in stuff being prideful about the stuff that you have, finding your security and stuff, all things that you'd, you should look to Jesus Christ for, looking for pleasure and confidence, self-esteem, and looking for security in Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be worshiping stuff. We also talked about last week. Oh, I'm sorry. Go back to number five. Uh, go back one slide. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is the only antidote the materialism. We need to give. We need to give in order to overcome materialism. Because every time you give, you're not keeping it for yourself and your security. But you're giving it away as God desires. And every time you give, that grip of materialism loosens on your life. And you're more free to trust in God for all your needs instead of trusting in yourself. Now, key six, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Whenever you get a raise, whenever you get a promotion, there is a tendency for us to follow the world's value system saying, okay, well, that means that I can raise my standard of living. But the first question we need to do is whenever we get anything extra, we need to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? I know one of the things you want me to do is Give some of it away. Maybe all of it. I don't know. Lord, you lead me. When you give me extra, and he's given us all here in the U.S. a lot of extra resources, we need to give it to the Lord and ask him how he wants us to use that. And today we're talking about unleashing generosity in our lives. And I want to talk about some attitudes and how we can be generous the first is that we need to be full of love to unleash generosity. We need to look at God's example, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How did God give? God gave everything. God gave His Son. That needs to be our attitude, our approach. God, I want to give you everything in my life. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I want to give all I have to you. We need to give out of love. And, and that's really the motivation 
to give in the first place. All that God has done for us. If you're a Christ follower, your whole life should be devoted to Him in a continual, daily practice of thanksgiving. Through giving, through everything else you do for what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You also need to have a heart for giving if you're going to unleash it. We see this in the next passage. The context here is that David was asking for resources to build the temple that Solomon would erect. And he first asked the leaders. So he says, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Everyone was rejoicing because the leaders didn't give in a stingy way. The leaders didn't give the minimum. They gave with their whole hearts. And as I've said before, God is interested in your heart. And there's a close correlation between giving and where your heart is. You need to give with all of your heart. You need to give your heart first, and your treasure will follow. We also need to be cheerful in our giving if we're going to unleash generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The root of that word, we get the word hilarious from. So, hey, when we're giving our gifts to the Lord here in our services, feel free to laugh. Feel free to cry out for joy. And we'll just say, oh, that person, they're so cheerful in their giving. It's the best time of the week when they're able to give to God and show their love for Him. To show that their heart's in the right place and knowing that they're investing in eternity. Well, we don't want to give reluctantly or under compulsion. No. Reluctantly or under compulsion, oh, I just have to do this to be religious. God's going to be mad at me. Or I have to give because my spouse is telling me to give. Or I just want to give to write it off my taxes. God doesn't even want your money. He wants your heart when you give with the right motivation. Another need, way we need to give is, is sacrificially. Jesus Christ was with his disciples in front of the temple, and they had these huge jars outside the temple that they would drop their offerings in. And you can imagine some of the pharisaical people, those people who just wanted to impress others with their gifts. They would bring their coins, and they'd linger around the jar for a while, seeing who was watching, and they'd count their coins and make sure that people kind of saw how many coins they gave, maybe one at a time. We don't know. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Jesus calls his disciples over. And he says, listen, I got an illustration for you. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. He was more impressed with his widow. The others were giving out of their wealth. It really didn't impact their lifestyle at all, but she was giving everything. She was sacrificing 
in our giving? Are you sacrificial in your giving? Am I? Does it hurt to give? I know sometimes it hurts me. So there's a lot of things that I could spend this money on. Not just wants, but even needs. But this money belongs to God. And I need to give it because my heart is with God. We need to give sacrificially. Well, Paul, as we talked about last week, issues a challenge to the people at Corinth. Paul had talked about the people in Macedonia and how they had given out of their poverty. They had given what they were able to give. And beyond that, and he was telling the people at Corinth through this letter, hey, listen, you guys need to step up. I need to challenge you in this area. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. You guys are doing well in a lot of different areas. But, you know, there's one area that I see you need to grow in, and that's giving. And we all know that giving is a very difficult area to grow in because it's very close to our heart. I should take out our message notes at this time for today, this green insert, if you could all do that for me. Because I'm going to challenge you today, and I want to let you know up front the kind of challenge that I'm going to give you. It's a biblical stewardship uh, commitment. And we talk about the tithe. This is a tithing challenge as well as a liberal giving challenge. And what we're basically saying is that we want you to try out tithing. I personally believe that's what God wants us to do. It's a great starting point, Randy Elkhorn says in his book, In Giving. But give 10% of your income. People say, well, is that in the net or the gross? And I say, well, you want a net blessing? <laughs> on a gross blessing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But give. But give for 90 days, we say here. And if it's created a financial crisis or you did not receive a blessing, your money will be returned. How do you like that? Money back guarantee. Because we know if you give, God's going to bless. Now, again, we'll, we'll honor this agreement, but we really believe that God is going to bless you. And many times we're not blessed in our Christian lives because we don't obey. When we obey, God blesses us. He doesn't have to bless us just because we obey, but He's such a good God. So we'll talk about this passage in a moment, but your part is to bring a whole tithe into the storehouse. That, again, is a collected grain back in that day. Grain and animals, crops and animals is what they brought. Uh, so talking about bringing it to Springbrook. If you belong to this church, you bring 10% of what the Lord blesses you with. And, and God's part, he says, he's going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. So I'm going to challenge you to step out in faith today and commit the first 10% of your income for the next 90 days to the Lord through Springbrook Community Church. I'll begin tithing. And some of you have been tithing for a long time. Well, then you need to step up to be a liberal giver. Give 11%, 12%, 15%. Whatever the Lord leads you to give. Now, I've done this many times and given this message many times in different ways. So I know how people process through this. Some of you are really excited 
Because you know what it's like to honor God in this way, and you know the blessings that come, and you're saying, preach it, Dan. These people need to know so they can grow. Other people are saying, oh, I've heard this before. Do we have to talk about this again? And I'm already tithing. Well, you need to listen to God because your next step is a liberal giver. Well, hey, 10%, that's what it says, right? right? No, <laughs> the idea in Scripture is you continue to give as God guides you and God blesses you. All right? And I know there's other people here who have just tuned me out. They saw this in the bolt and said, okay, I don't have to listen today. That's true. And some of you will never tune in again. But for those of you who are still listening, <laughs> all I ask is that you listen. As you listen to what God has to say to you today and just do what he says. That's all I'm asking. Just, just listen. And I know there's some of you who have come to Springbrook maybe for the first time, and you're saying, I knew it! I knew it! All the church has to talk about is money and giving, and this just confirms it. And it's just kind of unfortunate you showed up today. <laughs> because the last thing I want to do is to reinforce this stereotype, okay? So I got a special bonus today. We always give brownies away the first time a person comes. All right, you go back to the welcome desk. But Today, I'm going to give you a message series on top of it. So you go back there, get your brownies, and you get a message series to prove to you that we talk about other stuff. <laughs> All right? So let's go into this with an open heart, and hey, let the Lord lead you as we look at this. So let's look at the tithe, Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, it talks about, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this over and over and over again, that you have a responsibility to give the tithe to God because it belongs to Him. Why do we tithe? Well, the first thing is we want to honor God. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. There we see the promise of blessing again. We see that promise in the New Testament. Give, and it will be given back to you. God always wants to bless us. But it's honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. As we study throughout the Old Testament, God always wants our best. He always wants what's first. When we receive our paycheck, He wants us to give to Him first, to acknowledge Him as a source of all good gifts, of all our resources, to acknowledge Him as Lord of our lives, that He is number one, that our heart is with Him. That's a way we show God that our heart is with Him. When we give to Him as He so desires, it's to honor God. That's the purpose of a tithe, one of the purposes is to say, God, you're number one. It's a test. Every time you know you get resources, it's a test. What are you going to do with those resources? Are you going to honor God first, or are you going to honor yourself? Are you going to pay Visa before you pay God? Are you going to pay ComEd before you pay God? No. You need to pay God first and thank Him for all the way He's, ble he's uh, blessed you. Second reason for the tithe is to provide for God's ministry. Now, back in that day, they brought the 
crops and animals, and they had the storehouse where they would have that for the priests and the temple and all the different things that went on and uh, the ministry of God uh, that was done in Israel. Well, of course, you bring your gifts here to God's ministry at Springbrook, and we use those resources to bless people. God uses those resources to change people's lives, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. Last weekend, at a women's retreat, 50 women went up to Lake Geneva. That was a wonderful time, I hear, and I know that a lot of lives were changed. Justin Searles is up at a snow camp right now with a bunch of junior hires. You can pray for him. And, uh, yeah, lives are being changed because of what you do. Uh, Rich Willard uh, leads our small group ministry as well as many other ministries, and uh, he does a great job. And I, Justin does. I've just got a great pastoral staff. And uh, Rich just has such a passion for people to get involved in small groups as well as I do because that's where you make the, the friendship connections that make this place feels like home. How many, how many are in a small group? Raise your hand. Excellent. That is so encouraging to see. And for those who aren't, maybe you're afraid because I don't know much about the Bible. Well, a lot of people don't know much about the Bible. Don't be afraid about that. And they're going to think I'm strange. I tell you what, you show up to one of those small groups, you can find a lot of strange people sitting around that circle, okay? You're going to say, hey, people are just like me. They struggle with the same things I do. They, they hurt. Uh, they're going through tough times in life. There's nothing like a small group, guys, uh, to bond. So I just encourage you to go straight to the small group table and then go to the baby bottle table. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot of work for you to do after the service. But, uh, yeah, sign up, engage. We want to get to know you. People want to get to know you so that you can be loved and uh, really feel like this is home. So when you give, you're doing wonderful things. In fact, you know what? Uh, with our year-end offering, uh, we're at a goal of $30,000. Uh, we're going to give to Belize, hurricane damage, repair, getting them a new van, helping with the children's uh, home for boys. Uh, then we're also going to beautify and warm up our atrium and children's area so new people that come in, especially those who don't know Jesus, can really feel at home here. Our goal was $30,000. Today, $38,000. That's where we're at. Praise God, huh? Let's give him a hand. I don't know about you, but 40 sounds a lot better. Okay? I don't know. I just like those round, round numbers. And we got this last weekend. And about 56% of you have given, of giving families to Springbrook. So we've got a lot of opportunities to top 40 and give more to God's kingdom. So please, think and pray about that. And also, this is the first year in a lot of years, I haven't checked, that we have actually, uh, you and I, have given over our budget. Okay? Giving has exceeded budget. Ah, isn't that awesome? Praise God. That is so cool. God provides for his church. We want to thank you for that. A third reason, third purpose of the tithe, is that it transforms your heart. It transforms your heart. God doesn't need our money. He can work out a system easily, of course, where every Monday morning when we come in, there's just a stack of money sitting in the office that could run this church. We would never have to have offerings or challenge people about giving and those kind of things. Why doesn't he do that? Because he doesn't want money. 
He wants our hearts, and he knows the way to get to our hearts is through our giving. He wants us to grow in that way. So let me give you a snapshot of roughly how we're doing here at Springbrook in terms of committing to God in this way. Again, this is a very rough thing that we put together uh, based on a family income of 60000 I know some people make a lot more than 60000 here in this church, and some people make a lot less, but it's the best way to kind of give a snapshot just how we talk about prayer or Bible study. This is just another area of growth for us as Christians, and we're continuing to seek after him. So uh, about 10% of our, our giving families, uh, or excuse me, 18% are giving about 10% or more. That's very encouraging. 18%, 5% to probably 9%. That's missing, but that's encouraging. 14%, 4% to 2.6%, and 50% of the families are giving 2.5% or less. Now, what's interesting about this is the national average for what evangelical Christians give to their churches is about 2 to 3%. So it says that we're average. Nobody likes to be average, do they? No. Especially when you fully engage in what God wants you to do, and He's going to bless you for it. So when I look at these numbers, I get excited. Because I'm saying there are so many people out there who have not experienced the joy of giving to God as He desires and not experiencing the blessings that he wants. I'm pumped up about teaching this message because I want you to experience the same thing my wife and I have experienced and so many other people have experienced in this family. The joy of giving to God, the joy of giving your heart to God fully, the joy of experiencing his blessings. Now, I know some of you out there have a different take on what the Bible has to say about giving, and I respect that. I guess the easiest way to say it's a New Testament giver. I'm not an Old Testament giver, a law giver, those kind of things people will say. I'm a New Testament giver. And there's debate about this back and forth and, you know, whatever God leads you to believe. And the idea behind a New Testament giver is that you give as God directs you to give. There's an idea of a proportion, kind of like a percentage again, that you decide, okay, this is what God is going to lead me to give. Now, if you hold to that particular view, let me just give you some thoughts and a couple questions to think through as you continue to think through your theology of giving. Um, the first thing is you've got to realize that tithe is not the law. If we were to give by the law, we'd be given like 23% of our income to God because, first of all, you gave 10% uh, on a regular basis. Then on a national festival, uh, you give another 10%. That's 20% a year then every three years you'd give another 10% to the elderly and widows, the resources for them. So that's about 23%. So if we're going exactly by the law, I'd say, okay, you need to give 23 and a third percent. <laughs> uh, tithing really predates the law. Abraham gave a tithe. Jacob gave a tithe. We see an illustration of Jacob at Genesis 28:22, And this stone that I have set up as a pillar, Jacob says, will be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. There's something about a tenth that we see throughout Scripture in many different examples. Augustine and Origen, early church fathers, they believe the minimum that you give God is a tenth. And then two questions that Alcorn asks in his book about people who might have a New Testament theology. He asks the question, okay, if God is going to have us, you know, just say whatever you want to give, uh, freely give. 
you have to ask the question, is it retrogressive? Is giving retrogressive? So in the Old Testament, it talks a lot about the tithe. So in the New Testament, would it be less than 10%? When you think about it, I mean, after God has, has saved us, after God has put the Holy Spirit within us, after God has promised us an eternity with Him, you know, all the blessings that God has given us, on top of the fact that we live in the United States of America, the wealthiest nation of the world, you think that God would really want to have us give, give less? I don't think so, but it's something to think about. And just one other thing. If you say you're a New Testament giver, this is Elkhorn's question, are you hiding behind that? Are you hiding behind that? Now, again, many people are not. They're giving from their heart. They believe that. That's fine. But sometimes people can hide behind that. They give a very low percentage of their giving, and they say, well, I'm a New Testament giver. Just some things to think about. Well, let's look at the main passage about tithing. And we find in Malachi 3, 7 through 9 that our promise is based on here, our guarantee, God's guarantee, we call it, uh, that you saw on your message notes. Malachi was the last prophet uh, that we see in the Old Testament, and he was preaching to rebellious Israelites. Not anything new, right? Uh, so he's telling them, hey, you guys are not worshiping uh, the Lord. Now, they thought they were. They were going through the motions. They were bringing sacrifices. They were doing the religious things, but their hearts were far from God. We read, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you. God says, you're far from me. But you ask, and people say, well, how are we to return? What's the problem? I don't see a problem here. We're doing everything that we should be doing. And then, will a man rob God? You rob me. But you ask, what are you talking about? I'm not robbing you. In tithes and offerings, it says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. They were robbing God. How were they doing this? Well, if we study early in Malachi, what they would do is they were supposed to bring a lamb to the sacrifice, the first, the best lamb was always to be brought to sacrifice. And what they would do is they would find the most sickly, diseased, almost dead lamb, the lamb that was kind of leaning against the fence. <laughs> I'm going to bring this lamb to God because I'm not going to lose any money. Now, they were doing what they were told to do, but their heart was far from God. And God knew it. He said, stop robbing from me pretty strong language, robbing. Huh? We don't want to rob from God. Well, some of us are robbing from God. It's kind of like if you uh, got your bill from ComEd and uh, you said to ComEd, this is kind of high and got a lot of expenses right now. And uh, How about just 50%? I'll pay you 50% this year. Is that, is that good? Okay, thank you. <laughs> You're going to be in the dock. Because <laughs> ComEd doesn't cut deals typically, right? But with God, sometimes we don't give him anything. Give him a couple percentage points. Sorry, guys, that's robbing God. If you're just throwing change at God, you're robbing him. You need to repent of that. You're missing out on God's blessings and you're sinning against him. Don't rob God. But the great thing is that God always gives grace. So even to these rebellious Israelites, he says, listen, I'm going to make a deal with you guys. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. 
my God never says test me except for this one passage. He says, don't test me in another passage in Scripture. But he says, listen, you can test me on this one, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I am going to bless you tremendously. And notice what it says. The whole tithe into the storehouse. What some people do is they take their tithe and they split it up. They say, okay, well, I'll give 4% to uh, Springbrook. I'll give 4% to this ministry. and to... No, 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 no. God says, bring it to the place where you're fed. Bring it to your home. Bring it to the ministry that you belong to, the local church that you're affiliated with. And if you do that, I am going to bless you. Now, back in that day, it was agricultural. So... Uh, what he did was he became a super pesticide. <laughs> I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. They're not going to fall off early. They're going to ripen, and they're going to be wonderful and sell well, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed because everything is so uh, productive in terms of your agriculture. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Bottom line, guys. If you honor God with a tithe, he's going to bless you. Now, we're not talking health or wealth theology. I, I really get seamed about that one. When people are being told, if you give to God, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be wealthy. That's from Satan. All he's saying is, I'm going to bless you. Could be financial blessings, could be emotional blessings, spiritual blessings. I don't know how God's going to bless you, but he's going to bless you. You're still going to have problems. Still going to get sick, still going to die, you know, but God's going to bless you. And I, hey, God's been good to me. Lori and I, we tithe throughout our lives. And I tell you, we go on and on. I mean, I, do, I was trying to think about that, and there are so many blessings I can't name them. It's so, so good to our family, so good to us financially, so good to us spiritually. It's awesome. <laughs> I want the same for you. I want you to give your heart to God. I want you to pray about what you give. I'm going to have Dave and Becky Graham come out right now, and they're going to tell a little bit about uh, their giving journey. Dave and Becky have attended Springbrook for a long time, and I uh, appreciate them being able to share. Hi, I'm Becky, and um, tithing was always a part of growing up in a family that I grew up in. Um, my dad would write out the check on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and then one of us kids would drop it in the serving on the offering plate on Sunday morning. Um, when Dave and I got married, I assumed that Dave was on the same plate and same um, page as I was about tithing, and we had some great premarital counseling, and we talked about finances extensively, but somehow um, we never talked about tithing. And uh, to my shock, um, we weren't on the same page at all. Um, we didn't tithe in the beginning of our marriage, and um, I knew that we wanted to be unified in our finances, so I didn't feel right just tithing on the income that I was making. Um, and I knew that nagging Dave wasn't going to work, and I didn't want to be that nagging wife that Proverbs talks about. Um, so instead, um, and I'll, most importantly, I didn't want to be the Holy Spirit for Dave. Um, this was a decision between him and God, 
And so I prayed a lot and kept presenting opportunities to him for him to give, and I continued to let God work it out with him. Well, uh, as Becky uh, said, when we first got married, it seemed like uh, she wanted to give away everything, and I wanted to give away nothing. So for me, giving was a growth process. When we finally did start to give, um, I could not bring myself to give very much. So we just started out at a very low percentage, and after a few years, we bumped it up. And then after a few more years, we bumped it up again and so on. The, uh, the Bible's filled with examples of spiritual growth and how that's a gradual process. So for me, uh, giving was a gradual um, growth process. Um, I'd like to share one blessing that I get out of giving. I get a deep satisfaction out of knowing I'm being obedient to God when he commands us to give. When I look at my life, I can see so many areas uh, where I fall dramatically short of God's standards. I can see gigantic canyons from where I'm at and where God is at. So I get a deep satisfaction out of of, uh, being able to point my finger and say, by God's power, I'm able to get uh, that one right. I may fall short in other areas, but at least God has empowered me to be obedient in that area. So I just get a deep satisfaction out of being obedient to God. Um, One of the blessings that I see with our our tithing is the strength of our marriage. This is something that we do together, and together we have become kingdom builders instead of earthly hoarders. Um, And also seeing the growth in Dave um, that God has done makes me love and appreciate him um, so much more, and I have a great deal of respect for him. Um, God has also shown me that he hears and answers the prayers of a wife. Um, Instead of nagging my husband, um, I prayed for God to change him, and that's what God did with him. Another blessing is seeing Dave teach our son Ryan about tithing on his weekly allowance of $5. Um, Ryan is very protective of his money, and um, it's been a spiritual battle to get him to bring his 50-cent tithe every week, so Dave as a mail it sometime throughout the month. Um, and just before Christmas, um, Ryan's heart was softened, and he began to see how much God has blessed our, financially blessed our family, and how there are children out there, we were looking through the Samaritan's Purse catalog, that there are children who don't even have milk to drink in the orphanages. So he decided to give $4 to Samaritan's Purse to buy milk for a week at an orphanage. So needless to say, again, God has answered prayers of ours and um, has blessed us once again. All right, thanks. Thank the Grams. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing your story. We appreciate that. Maybe you're out there thinking, Dan, I can't do this. You know what? You're right. You can't do it. You can't do anything on your own power. It all comes from the power of Jesus Christ within you. Jesus Christ flowing through you. You're depending on Christ, saying, God, I can't do this. But that's where faith comes in. I look at a beloved verse, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, to take a challenge like this, whether it be a tithing challenge or saying, okay, I'm going to, Increase my giving. I'm going to become a liberal giver. 
Either of these challenges take faith. Because you don't know where the money's going to come from. Well, that's where faith comes in. Some say, well, I'm, I'm so much in debt, I, I can't afford the tithe. Well, you can, can't afford not to tithe. You've got to pay God first. And God is going to help you with the other financial issues. Uh, oh, Dan, this is not a good year for me. You know what the state of Illinois is doing to me? <laughs> I know, because they're doing it to me, too. You know, <laughs> An extra 1000 an extra 2000 an extra 2500 depending upon your income. That's a lot of money. And I'll tell you from experience, there is never a good time to tithe. <laughs> You're not going to wake up. This, all right, <laughs> we're ready to tithe. No, it never happens that way. It's just a, a leap of faith saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to follow uh, your lead. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So, again, let the Holy Spirit be your lead if you feel led to take the tithing challenge. I know that your heart is going to grow closer to God. And on top of that, you're going to be blessed. If you say, I'm going to be a liberal giver. I've been sucking a tithe for who knows how many years. And I need to start growing again. Again, I know that your heart's going to grow closer to God and you're going to be blessed. So turn this in in the offering or take it home and pray about it. Uh, we'll have these in our um, bulletins next week. Or you might pick it up if you need it. But again, guys, this is a core principle I think that we all can agree on. The more you give, the more your heart belongs to God. And the bonus is the more He's going to bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time you've given us to talk about these very, very important matters. And I know it's sensitive. I know it's tough, Lord. It's a tough area for me. Lord, just help us listen to your Spirit. Help your Spirit guide us in the way you would want us to go. In Christ's name. We could have the ushers come forward and we can start.